Welcome to Talking Sports. My name is Roger, and I am here with my co-host Grant, and we are excited to unpack Week 12 NFL football. Talk about some of the biggest storylines that happened this Thanksgiving week, and then really get into what are we looking forward to down the stretch as this football season comes to an end. So um, let's transition here and talk about this past week of games. All right, let's start Thursday. Turkey Day, main plate. I I really was excited to watch this Green Bay-Detroit game, right? Green Bay um, coming into Detroit as an underdog for the first time in forever. Detroit is running away with this division, and Detroit was a home favorite on Thanksgiving for the first time in forever. What do we see here, man? Man, Detroit just cannot win Thanksgiving football games. <laughs> like I, I saw some crazy thing, like when the moon's in some certain phase and it's Thanksgiving that Detroit's never going to win a game. So sorry. Yeah. Detroit, the waxing gibbous. The waxing gibbous. Yeah. It ends up being the, the curse of the waxing gibbous for the Detroit lions. Yep. Um, but the Packers just came out firing, man. Jordan Dude. love looked like the absolute yeah. real deal out there. He was getting the ball to Jalen Reed, who has taken a big um, step up in this offense and they're getting the ball to Romeo Dobbs, getting the ball to Christian Watson. Finally, it's good to see him finally getting the touches that we thought he was going to get early season. And Detroit just could not get the ball moving on offense. And Jared Goff, man, has been a turnover machine the past few weeks. Like what has been going on with Jared Goff? Dude, I have no idea what's going on with him, but yeah, it goes to show like, I think Detroit did a good job of adding offensive weapons but didn't focus a lot on their secondary, their defense, because Jordan Love had 268, three touchdowns. They, they gave up that deep bomb pass at the start. Like, I don't know what's up with Detroit secondary, but you just let Green Bay run all over you and catch passes everywhere on the field. So I think Detroit focused a little too much on their offense and getting offensive weapons in there and kind of lacking on their defensive linebacker and secondary. And I think their defensive line is pretty good. I mean, you got Hutchinson on there. But behind them, you don't you don't really got anybody that can lock guys down and keep guys in check. So, yeah, turnover machine from Jared Goff, just terrible game for him. But good job, Green Bay. Yeah, and I mean, this game pretty much came down to that one stat. Zero turnovers from Green Bay, three turnovers for Detroit. Detroit's mm-hmm. just been shooting themselves in the foot with three footballs in this game. So, yep. another Thanksgiving, another Detroit Lions loss. Yep. And speaking of things that we are just well accustomed to now, we moved on to Dallas Cowboys volleyball in the afternoon. Oh, yeah. This game was not that fun to watch. I mean, Washington kept it close a little bit in the first half. But once Dallas figured, yeah, we can't choke anymore, we might as well just put up as many points as we can. Yep. Yeah. Good old classic volleyball from Dallas. Um I can't remember what the spread on this game was. I think it was like 10 or something like that. Divisional matchup, you expect some divisional matchups to be a little bit closer. But, yeah, Dallas just ran all over Washington. And Washington right now just looks terrible. I don't know what they're they're doing, what's their scheme, what they're trying to accomplish with this team right now. It just looks bad. They got to fire their coach. They got to just yeah. build around Sam Howell. I think that he is a really good talent. 
for them as a franchise quarterback going forward. And I think that you can build around Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel, but they just traded away all their defensive pieces. So, I mean, St. Juice isn't getting it done on the outside. Their secondary looks awful. So it's, it's just a hard team to watch right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, like Sam Howell still had 300 yards passing and Curtis Samuel had nine for a hundred. So Washington was able to move the ball. It's just a lack of execution in the red zone of getting into the, getting those points on the board, especially against a good Dallas defense. I mean, a good defense like Dallas and you're still throwing 300 yards. Like that shows me that it's there, but there's just a lack of, I think, execution from that coaching staff of how do we create plays? We create schemes in the end zone that's able to create touchdowns for us. And if you're Washington, I don't think you really want your defense on the field all that much. And so when you try to win these games, you got to win it in time of possession and not give Dallas the opportunity to score 45 points, you know? So I don't know, just an ugly, ugly game. Once again, we saw Dallas be one of two teams and they were the bully team this week. So, yep. We'll see what we get the next few weeks. I think that they go play the Eagles next week, which will be a lot of fun to unpack later in the week. And then our nightcap on Thanksgiving, our dessert for the day was the San Francisco 49ers wearing their beautiful throwback um, jerseys. They looked clean. They were playing the Seattle Seahawks in their highlighted green uniforms. And this was not really a game that they want to highlight and go back to and say that they did a good job because nope. Gino looked terrible. He was 18 of 27, 180 yards with no touchdowns, one interception. Brock Purdy was just wheeling and dealing. He did have that tipped interception pick six, but he was just getting the ball to his weapons, letting them work. And uh, I cashed a anytime touchdown score with that late touchdown to Brandon Ayuk, but nope. Christian McCaffrey was back with two tutties. Oh, yeah. San Francisco's yeah, a very good team, man. Yeah. San Francisco's a really good team. Again, I think Purdy's good when he can get it to his weapons and just let those guys work. I mean, you got McCaffrey in the backfield. You got Debo. You got Kittle. You got Ayuk. You got so many different options to just get it to guys. Um, even guys coming in off the bench sometimes. Like, Ray McLeod's not bad. Juwan Jennings isn't bad either. Like, you've got good, solid guys behind those main guys, too. And Seattle just looks awful. Like, your main leading receiver was JSN, finally, which I think they need to utilize him a little bit more. He is a really good slot receiver and can get open and create space from guys. And Gino's just not not there with it. Like, dude's looking like Russell Wilson at the beginning of the season, like holding the football way too long, just not getting their targets. I don't know if Seattle's running long developing plays or he's just – Scared to throw interceptions. I don't know, but it just looks bad. I think we just had a Freaky Friday situation where old Russell Wilson was in Gino's body for a little while, and <laughs> he was man. making it work. He was making it work in Seattle, but now Russ has his has himself back, and Gino went back to being Gino. So, yep. yeah, yeah, <laughs> little Freaky Friday situation. I think that they just did like a little swap yeah. and. <laughs> Russ Russ has looked just fine the past few weeks. Nothing oh, yeah. MVP caliber, but he's getting the yeah. job done. Getting it done. Black Friday, we had our first ever Black Friday game. Ooh. Miami goes into New York, and uh, the New York football woes just keep on rolling. Um, mm-hmm. 
they start Tim Boyle in this game. I actually really like their black uniforms that they were wearing in this game, especially for yeah. Black Friday. But the black helmets with the green face mask too; those look sweet. Yeah, those were those were real killer. But you got to put a product on the football field to yeah. actually like make it work, you know. So yep. Miami just got the ball to all their weapons. A few injuries. Uh, Devon A. Chain out again. Just weird to see that and. Yeah. Miami just beating up on the bad teams like they do, kind of like we talked about with Dallas. And uh, man, they have they kind of had their own version of the butt fumble this week with the fail Mary. You know, that <laughs> yeah. was one of the ugliest plays I've ever seen in a football game. I was at work and I had pulled it up on my phone during my break, and I was watching it. I had a second straight week that I bet on the Jets against my. Uh, against my better judgment and I saw Tim Boyle throw this up and I go, this is not good. Nope. I've, I've just never seen a play breakdown like that. It looked like a bunch of sixth graders at recess trying to tackle a 10th grader running the ball back. Yeah, exactly. It was bad. Like at that end, I was just like, you might as well just take the knee. Don't even try to force it up there. Cause knowing the jets, that kind of thing would have happened. So yeah, jets are going to, Expect the Jets to do Jet things the rest of the season. Like, they're not going to be anywhere near it. And I don't see any point of them trying to rush Aaron Rodgers back. Like, just keep him out. Just get, make sure he is completely healthy for next year. Um, but, yeah, it was surprising, too, to see. I know this Jets defense is pretty good. But, too, I think has been struggling a little bit. Just with some of his reads. I mean, he did throw two interceptions as well himself. So, trying to force the ball into certain situations to Waddle and to Tyreek Hill. Um, Tyreek Hill is going to be open all the time, but when there's a defender close, you can't just force it and expect him to go up. I mean, Tyreek Hill is still a small guy. He's not going to climb the ladder and go catch it like a DK Metcalf. So little, little yeah. like mess up from Tua, but yeah, good old Black Friday game. I was expecting to see like a rolling screen across the bottom of just Black Friday deals from Amazon. So I was happy that wasn't on the screen. I would have been <laughs> mad. I'd have been like, get this thing off of here. It's kind of like our freaking, was it either Monday or Sunday night game where DirecTV decided to scroll their thing across the top? I was, I was yeah. livid. Yeah, that was, yeah. that was not fun. <laughs> no. And they should try not to ruin football going forward. Exactly. I agree with you there. <laughs> yeah. Keep that off our screens. And Just then email. we got, everybody's got an email. Just send it out in the email notification. We have text stuff now. You don't need to put it on the screen anymore. Like weather, national service things too. Keep it off of the TV screen. Just text us. Everybody's got a phone now. Just text it. And if you don't, if you got a landline still with a cord, sorry, <laughs> you're, you're like one. We're leaving. You We're like leaving you. There's a hurricane coming, but you are not worth saving. So exactly, <laughs> get up to speed. <laughs> oh, Grant's vendetta against the landline. Put that. Put that on. <laughs> Put that on TV, man. Um, and then we had the Thanksgiving leftovers coming on Sunday. Early slate honestly kind of sucked. There wasn't a touchdown in the early games for about 15, 20 minutes into the games. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what in the world are we watching? Um, the morning games, there is probably two good games, maybe three. But I'll just kind of highlight the bad ones. We'll get right through them because I don't really want to talk about them. Atlanta uh, just bullied New Orleans. Derek Carr sucks, man. And uh, 
New Orleans fans can't be happy about that. Arthur Smith rolling out with a win and his goofy mustache and his goofy coaching. So good for Atlanta. I think that they're going to win the division. We'll talk about that a little bit after we get through the games. Um, Then staying in that division, Tampa Bay, they were fighting for a piece of first place in that division. And uh, they came up short against Minshew, Mania, and the Indianapolis Colts. Colts are actually looking um, kind of okay. They are sitting in the hunt for a wild card position, and Minshew has just been doing enough to keep them afloat. Jonathan Taylor pounding the ball. I mean, that's going to be their philosophy is just run the dang ball going forward. Yeah. And then the um, two worst games of the morning, Tennessee-Carolina. I don't think I even tuned into this game very much. I didn't watch it. It was no. Nelms. I was going to say, I saw some highlights on the red zone, but wasn't really tuned into that game. Most Mostly a sleeper game, and Carolina almost was able to come back, but they were not. And then the New York Giants and the New England Patriots played a Super Bowl rematch, but this was the farthest thing from that. And this was honestly the toilet bowl of toilet bowls, two awful teams. The Giants' defense has been playing very well. The Giants' offense has not in New England. They don't even know what they're doing. They're just switching guys out. They're just saying who wants to play quarterback. They're just letting whoever wants to go back there be back there. It honestly yeah. looks like Bill Belichick's just had enough and he just doesn't care. And yeah, what? It, so they, they go out, chip shot field goal to tie the game and go into overtime. Do you think Bill Belichick just told him, go ahead and miss it? We'll get a better pick in the draft. <laughs> Like, but you you laugh, but that's yeah, like, that's right up Bill Belichick's alley, and you know, right up that for a fact. Yeah, yeah. No, that could have definitely been a conversation. Like, dude, just go miss it. We can get some draft picks. Like, I want to get out of here. I don't want to play overtime. Let's just get rid of this mess. So, that that could have definitely been a talk conversation on the sideline. Not many NFL teams can tank. If there's any teams that can tank, it would be the San Antonio Spurs last year to get Victor Wimbayana and uh, <laughs> the New England Patriots to go and get Caleb Williams. And oh yeah, absolutely. If if they end up with Caleb Williams and he ends up being like a Patrick Mahomes, I am just going to want to throw up watching them for the next oh. fifteen years. So yeah, it's going to be brutal. Yeah, but toilet bowl of toilet bowls right there. That game, oh, it was just terrible. And then. A few, there's two okay games, um, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. Pittsburgh, oh, Canada, got rid of Matt Canada. And for the first time in 58 games, went over 400 yards. Yeah, no, great, like, I think great decision by Pittsburgh to free Kenny Pickett up. Uh, The Muth was back. He was Luth for sure. Like The Muth was Luth. Yeah, 120 yards. Like, man, that offense, it was actually fun to watch. I mean, Najee Harris had almost 100. He was 99 rushing yards. So it was actually good to see those guys get in the mix. Jalen Warren kind of had an off game. Like, he just, I don't think he was there for that game. And you just play some games sometimes where it's not going to go your way and it just didn't go his way for him that game. But that was good to see Pittsburgh actually play some offense. What's really funny about those two running backs, though, is. That's a running back room that plays such complimentary football. Najee is the run north and south, just pounded straight down your throat. And yep. um, 
maybe break off a big run here or there. And Jalen Warren is really the elusive guy that's going to sneak through some tiny little holes or get to the outside and just break something open in open space. And some yeah. games, they become a fantasy nightmare at points because some games you're going to see like this where Najee looks like he could be the number one back and he's going 99 for a touchdown and getting some receptions on top of that and really like – having his way with the ball. And then there's other games like last week where you saw Jalen Warren just absolutely take the backfield. And it's like, does Najee even have a spot on this team? And it's like, yes, there's yeah. complimentary roles in this offense, but fantasy wise, it's going to be a nightmare coming down the stretch because you're going to start Jalen Warren and he's going to come out with a goose egg because they're pounding Najee or vice versa, you know? So kind of a, kind of a weird um, backfield to try and navigate fantasy wise. But I think that, the next few weeks you're going to get to see Kenny Pickett in his offense kind of see what they can do, you know? So yep. um, I'm excited to see what that looks like going forward. Deontay Johnson carried eight targets for four receptions and 50 yards. He showed a lack of effort on one play, so it'll be kind of interesting to see how that translates with his team. I think that he was kind of getting into it with some of his teammates in the locker room as well. So that might be something to keep an eye on. But like you said, the Muth was loose. And uh, Pat Fryermuth, 11 targets, nine receptions. He has been, like, literally invisible this year. I know he struggled with injuries here and there. But the one thing that they said about Kenny Pickett is he can't find the middle of the field. And that's all he did in this game for 120 yards was say, oh, there's Pat Fryermuth right in the middle of the field. And oh. – um. Pat Fryermuth had an incredible game, 21 fantasy points in PPR, and just came away with um, everything that you would want out of Pat Fryermuth in yep. fantasy. So that's going to be an interesting offense to watch going down the stretch. Um, they're 7-4 and four right now. They are second in the AFC North, and their next – I mean, their schedule coming up is Cardinals, Patriots, Colts, which I think they should go 2-1 and one or – potentially three and zero in those games. And then they've got, they've got the Bengals Seahawks Ravens to finish the year. I think the Ravens will be tough, but I think that they could beat the Bengals in the Seahawks. So yeah. this could be a team that makes the playoffs with 10 to 12 wins. And I don't even think is that good. But... <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Yeah. It'd be uh, interesting. And then the last game of the morning slate was the game of the morning was, Jacksonville and the Texans kind of giving us a preview of what the AFC South is going to look like going forward. Um, really fun yeah. matchup between young quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence was playing his butt off. So was CJ Stroud. And this game was back and forth and came down to um, the poor Texans. They just signed mm -hmm. Matt Amendola as their kicker, as their other kicker, um, Fairbairn came down with an injury a few weeks ago and yeah. he just missed. He hit the lower crossbar on the game tying field goal down the stretch. So this was a really fun game. Someone that's been following yeah. the Jags all year, living down here in Florida. Um, the Jags struggled against this team week three. I was at that game in Jacksonville and Jacksonville could not get anything moving against this D'Amico Ryan's defense. And mm -hmm. CJ Stroud pretty much had his way with Jacksonville throwing the ball to Tank Dell, Nico Collins just 
destroying them down the field in this game. Jacksonville fought tough on the road, got the ball to Calvin Ridley a few times down the stretch, and got the ball in the hands of their weapons. And Dearness Johnson in the backfield has been carrying this team as ETN has been fighting some injuries here and there. But mm-hmm. um, I thought it was a really good, clean game played by both teams. I think that there is probably one or two mistakes from C.J. Stroud that he wishes he probably could take back. But, I mean, that's just the growing pains of being a rookie. And yeah. I think that this was some really good football. Is this the next, like, Peyton Manning, uh, Tom Brady type matchup? I mean, I guess we've seen Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow past few years. I think that this is going to be a fun divisional matchup where we see young quarterbacks that are going to be elite facing off the next few years. And I've had my reservations about Trevor Lawrence the past few weeks, but he's actually shown up pretty good. Yeah. No, this was a fun game. I mean, I had the over in this game, so that field goal at the end killed me because it would have definitely hit the over because I would have tied it. But I chose the over because I wanted to see these two quarterbacks go at it and create some offense. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, 364 passing yards. C.J. Stroud was up there, too, with the rushing touchdown. Um, just like crazy offense coming finally from Jacksonville side, but CJ Stroud and the guys on the Texans have just been clicking so far. I mean, Tank Dell and CJ Stroud, just the rookie connection right there. That's on fire. If you've got those two guys in fantasy, definitely try to stack them. They're, they're a really good option for you. You're going to get some fantasy points out of them. Nico Collins, big target. Um, yeah, these were two great defenses rushing wise. I mean, our rushing leader was ETN with only 56 yards. So kept a lot of running backs underneath um, that 60 mark, but lots and lots of receiving. So it'll be good to see this matchup in the future with this division. Like like you said, we could see a next Tom Brady, Peyton Manning matchup where these two guys just go at it back and forth, just like touchdown. All right, let's go. Let's score a touchdown too. And it's just, man, we're just running and gunning. So this is going to be a fun, fun, fun matchup to watch. Yeah, absolutely, Grant. And let's – Let's head on to some of the afternoon games. Our afternoon on Sunday got started with the Rams going into the Cardinals. And the Rams absolutely obliterated the Cardinals in this. Kyler Murray looked like he just did not belong in the NFL. The Rams, Kyron Williams just went freaking off. Um, Man, there was low expectations for both these teams coming into the year. The Rams have beaten those expectations. In Arizona, whew, they got a lot to figure out, and I don't think that Kyler's the answer. And I think it'd be, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a Cardinals fan that would be defending what Kyler Murray's doing at this point, because he's yeah. either injured or he's only scoring fourteen points. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, it's Arizona. It's hard for those guys right now. I mean. I, you get one side of Murray where he's like incredible and can run around and looks like the toddler running away from you at home, carrying the football and like, you can't catch him. And then you get another game where it's just like, bro, what are you doing? Like, wh- like, are you even mentally here? Like playing football? Or are you trying to just get out this, get this game done? So you go play some call of duty because it's double XP. week. It's like, man, I feel for Arizona fans. It's brutal. Yeah. And for a division that they, we're pretty much running for a good course with 
with Carson Palmer and Kurt Warner down the stretch, like they had been pretty much owning that division or going back and forth with all these teams. And they have just been out of the mix for the past few years now. It's, and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. Like we can move on because I felt the same way about Denver. The Denver just kept spiraling out of control the past few years and they just had not gotten any better. And then they start the year one and five. And what have they done past five weeks? They've gone five and oh. And um, at one point, Broncos fans are screaming, let's get rid of Sean Payton. He's not the answer either. But I think, um, in my opinion, Sean Payton has shown, as an excellent coach will do, is he's made the adjustments throughout the season. This defense looks a lot better. This defense looks like a completely different defense than we saw in week three. They gave up 70 points to the Dolphins. And this offense is not half as dry as I thought they would be. So um, Broncos on a five-game winning streak. They came in off of a four-game winning streak. And uh, Cleveland's, Cleveland's defense has been one of the hardest defenses to get past in the NFL. Yep. Denver, Denver comes out with a 29-12 to 12 victory in this one. And yeah. I, just thought, I just thought Denver played well overall, both sides of the ball. Yeah, no, like like you said, I think the beginning of the season was it took some time to clean up what happened last year with Nathaniel Hackett as the head coach. Like, I think you just had guys at the beginning of the season on this Broncos team that were just, like, mentally exhausted maybe from that last season with Hackett. And it took a little bit for Sean Payton to, to get through to some of these guys because these last five games, again, it's totally different, night and day difference team, like, it was fun to see the running game actually work against this Cleveland front. Like there was some things that I saw that teams haven't done to this Cleveland defense yet that Sean Payton pulled out and we're running P Ryan up the middle. Javante Williams is getting in there in the mix too. Like they did their I mean, homework and they scouted these guys really well. So this is going to be a fun team to watch. I mean, Broncos are back up there. They're at the bottom of contention for stuff, but five game win streak. I mean, keep it hot. Let's keep rolling. Yeah, and I think that Cleveland kind of coming off of a divisional matchup that was actually really like emotionally tolling against the Steelers that they won mm-hmm. in the 10. I think that they kind of came out flat-footed in Denver. Um, I still think that this is one of the top defenses in the NFL, and I think that they're going to see a lot of success going forward down the stretch in the season, um, especially because their last four games, I think that they should win all four. And so yep. it'll be interesting because this is a Browns team that I think can sneak into the playoffs um, I don't even think they're going to be sneaking. I think that they're going to be 11 and 6, 12 and 5, and they're going to be riding the playoff mix um, down the stretch. And so we could have seen the playoff teams facing off on Sunday, but Dorian Thompson Robbins kind of, DTR's got to figure out a rhythm with this offense because he can get the ball. He was feeding Cedric Tillman. Cedric Tillman looked good. Um, Amari Cooper looked good until. Denver knocked him out, and uh, and so the Browns' success is going to come up, come down to can this offense be suitable with this defense yep. going down the stretch because the defense is going to be there. And, yeah, the Broncos scored 29, but I feel like that's a little lopsided because Cleveland's defense just – or Cleveland's offense just could not move the ball, you know? Yeah, because you get to a point in the game, too, where I'm a defensive player on the side, and I'm seeing my offense not be able to move the ball, and we're getting scored on. Like, that's just so tolling mentally, emotionally throughout the game. Like, you get to the fourth quarter, and it's like, 
we've had five three and outs right in a row. I've got to go back on the field. I'm exhausted. Like I'm kind of done. And these guys are pros. Like they they understand that they're not going to win every game. You're playing against other pro guys. So when they get to a point where it's like, I'm not going to go all out like college kids do. I'm not going to hurt myself. Like I'm not going to do something stupid in this situation. So get to a point where it's like your offense isn't working. Me as a defensive player, I'm not going to go out there and do something dumb and stupid. Now I'm going to try to keep playing because I love this game, but I'm not going to give that much effort because we're just getting three and outs left and right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's hard when you see these teams. I mean, you see a team like San Francisco that they are firing on all cylinders, offense, defense, special teams. And then you get these teams that are just absolutely great on one side of the ball and just can't figure it out on the other side. And uh, it's funny because the Browns are elite on defense. They're subpar on offense. And I think the Broncos are above average in all three categories at this point in the season. And just being above average was able to squeak out this 29 to 12 win at home. So it's going to be exciting watching the Broncos down the stretch. They got, the Texans next week, that should be a really good game. Yep. They're going to be a fun team in playoff contention down the stretch. And then our um, the final game I want to hit on this afternoon slate because we're going to save Buffalo and Philadelphia till the end. But Kansas City played Las Vegas. Las Vegas came out. They were up 14 to nothing. I thought, I have Las Vegas plus 9.5. I've won this bet. I went and took a good little nap to wake up to Patrick Mahomes obliterating this Las Vegas Raiders uh, team. Yeah, I didn't watch much of this. It was on. I saw some plays here and there. But, yeah, at the start, I was like, oh, dang, Vegas is actually doing something. Like, let's go. And then I saw the Chiefs offense just begin to move the ball like they always do. So, yeah, tough game for Vegas. I know they're definitely pulling things together now that um, Daniels is out of there. But, yeah, you're playing the Chiefs. You're playing Patrick Mahomes. At some point in the game, he's going to go off and just get the ball to his guys. So, yeah, tough and loss for Vegas. It's, it's really funny because I think when we watch this Kansas City Chiefs team, if you can stop Isaiah Pacheco mm-hmm. and Kansas City abandons that running game and yeah. puts some pressure on Mahomes, then it's kind of easy to make this offense look frazzled. and. Patrick Mahomes is going to force some passes in there, get some drops. Maybe you get a few turnovers here and there. That's the way to beat this Chiefs team. But you let them establish the run. You let them establish the way that they want to play. Isaiah Pacheco went off, man. Isaiah Pacheco had two touchdowns. He had a bunch of yards. And then once the running game was established, it was easy to hit some of those RPOs and get Justin Watson and Rashi Rice into open space. and. Rashi Rice had a game, man. I had just traded him away in our keeper league and it's kind of bummed because he went off for like 25. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, <laughs> he finally this, got some points on the board. Yeah. The past few weeks have been the ghosts of the Chiefs' past and future. And I think that if you look at this Chiefs team and you can stop the run, you can have a really good future against them. But if you can't stop the run and you let them play complimentary football where you're just guessing at what they're going to do next. Patrick Mahomes is going to beat you 10 out of 10 times. And yeah. um, 
that's what Denver did really well. That's what Philadelphia did really well. And so that's how you beat this team. That's the recipe. But you yep. can't just go in and just play dilly-dally against them and hope that you're going to come out with a win because, like we saw with the Raiders, they're going to come back and just hit the ground running no matter how yeah, I mean, far out they might be. Yeah, I mean, this Chiefs team, if you're the team that's playing against them, this is a team where you got to come out and punch them in the mouth, and then you just got to keep punching them in the mouth. Like, you cannot let up on the gas. You cannot kind of slack off on any plays. This is a really good offensive team, offensive scheme. Um, Andy Reid is a – I think he's a great OC as much as I hate to say that. I mean, he knows how to play football. He knows how to oh, get guys sure. in positions to get open. So you got to continually just punch these guys in the face like Tony Stark did to the Hulk and Marvels. Like, just go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. And you just got to keep going. So, and it's hard too, like when Pacheco's going, because you do have the threat of Patrick Mahomes' legs as well. It's hard to stop two runners. And we've seen that a lot with teams in the past where they've got a really good running back and you've got a QB that can scramble. You can't just put one spy on one guy because then the other guy's going to get out and, and run the ball as well. So, yeah, very tough offense to try to handle and manage, but you just got to keep going at them. And I mean, it's easy, it's easy enough to just look at the way that they've played in the Super Bowl when they played the Buccaneers and the Buccaneers just kept punching them in the face. Like you said, they couldn't hang with it, but San Francisco took the foot off the gas. Um, Philadelphia took the foot off the gas and that's Mm -hmm. how Patrick Mahomes got his two Super Bowls. Yep. Yeah. All right. And then I'm going to skip over that last afternoon game, but the Sunday night game, Ravens beat the Chargers 20 to 10. Um, this game was a lot closer than it looked. I mean, Zay Flowers broke a pretty long run at the end to yeah. make it a 10, 10 point game and squeaked in the backdoor cover for Ravens betters, um, plus three or plus three or minus three or minus three and a half. And um, Joe Staley or Brandon Staley's got to get fired, doesn't he? <laughs> Absolutely. Like, like, I don't know what Chargers are thinking right now, but, man, you've got great offense. You've got Justin Herbert. You've got Austin Eckler. Like, I don't know, man. Chargers are frustrating to watch. And it was crazy, too. Like, the over-under at the beginning of this game was 49. And I was like, against Baltimore's defense, there's no way that 49 is hitting. And obviously, we didn't get that. So, I don't know what Vegas was looking at and what they were seeing with a high-scoring offensive game from this. Maybe they were just seeing a lopsided game where Baltimore was just going to come out and destroy this Chargers defense. But Chargers defense pulled it together a little bit. Um, but, man, Chargers, frustrating team to watch. Yeah. And, I mean, the Ravens, they don't have Mark Andrews. And this this team, I've I've said it before, I think that they – had fallen apart down the stretch before. Lamar Jackson had faced some injuries, had faced some tough ends of the year yeah, the past few years. But this is a Ravens team that just seems to be squeaking it out each week and finding a way. You know, their their mantra has to be just find a way right now. And every week, if the run game's working, they're sticking with it. If Zay Flowers is working, they're sticking with it. If it's their defense they're leaning on, they're sticking with it. And that's the recipe of a team that can go win the Super Bowl. And that's scary. I don't want to see the Ravens win the Super Bowl. No, I mean, but they're playing scary good football right now. And yeah. whoever they're playing, um, 
it'll be interesting down the stretch to see because they kind of have a gauntlet moving forward, this Ravens team. Um, I'm pulling up their schedule right now. They play the Rams next week, but then then they go to the Jaguars, and then they fly all the way back across the country, and they play at the 49ers. So, I mean... Week 15 and 16, we're going to see what this Baltimore team is really made of. And then they play the Dolphins right after that. So, I mean, 15, 16, 17 could make or break this Baltimore season. And I think that they'll come out of those games either one and two or two and one. I don't think that they can win all three, and I don't think that they're going to lose all three. Um, I think that they will play a really close game with the Jaguars. I think they'll lose to the Niners, and then I think that they'll play a pretty close game with the Dolphins, but I'll, I think that they come out with the win against the Dolphins. So yeah. I'm going to guess that they go one and two in those games. They play the Rams next week, which should be an easy win for them, but you yeah. never know. The Rams is, have been a challenge for teams down the stretch this year. So Yeah, is the Rams – is that a home game for Baltimore against the Rams? Yes. Okay. So I was going to ask him, like, are they literally just staying there in California if they've got to play in, in LA again? So, but yeah, I mean, they got, it was weird when I looked at this game too. I was like, dang, Baltimore's going across the country for a Sunday night game. I mean, these dudes are three hours ahead of these guys in LA. It's like, that's taxing on the body. That's very tolling for these guys. I got some long trips coming up. I mean, to go back to Baltimore, you got to go back to San Francisco. You got to go down to Jacksonville, like still same time zone, but long flights. Man, that's that's a rough schedule for Baltimore. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're flying across the country the next few weeks for sure. Yeah. And then their final game is at home against the Steelers. And the Steelers and them could be playing for the division in that game. Absolutely. Which yeah. is weird to say. Like, I didn't think that the Steelers would be fighting for the division, but they absolutely could be fighting for the division in that game. Yeah, um, but nothing too crazy to talk about in this game. I didn't see exceptional football. I think that Baltimore just hung with LA until LA decided to choke, which is like the main component of their DNA <laughs> in LA. Yeah, I will say though, <laughs> the then, new uniforms from the Chargers, I love those those dark navy blues. Those are sweet. Oh, the navy blues, I think, are the cleanest. Yep. I think the baby blues and the navy blues look incredible on them. Yeah. So, I'm a big fan of the Chargers unis, just not a big fan of the Chargers. Nope. <laughs> and then our last game of the week was Minnesota hosting Chicago. And uh, Chicago won 12-10. to 10. Didn't even score a touchdown. I'm going to leave that at that. Yeah. Gross. And let's move on to... Yeah. The absolute game of. Can I say game of the year? Am I allowed to say game of the year? Uh, this is up there. Yeah. Okay. So I think I think that this was our game of the year so far. And the Philadelphia Eagles hosting the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills came out, and uh, I'm going to try this again. Philadelphia actually came out and scored a touchdown to start the game, but then Buffy took a two-score lead, I believe. Yes. And um, at the end of the second quarter, going into halftime, it was 17-7, to two-score lead for the Buffalo Bills, and Josh Allen was just having his way with this secondary. He was just thrown all over them, which we have seen is the Eagles' weakness, right? Yep. 
Now, before we get into the game, I kind of want to talk to you because we didn't really get to talk Sunday before the games. I had bet Philly minus two and a half in this game. And my thinking in this game was the Bills haven't been playing really good football. Yes, they played the Jets last week, but they absolutely like murdered the Jets, right? And when we see teams go in and just obliterate these teams and just beat them by 20-plus points, next week they tend to have a letdown. So watching this first half, I'm like, crap, I read this completely wrong, right? And I might have. I probably did. I probably had the wrong side on this, so I won't even say that I bet the right side. But Buffalo like we talked about with the Chargers, have a DNA. And that DNA, one of the major components is falling apart down the stretch. And whether Bills fans like to admit it or not, I mean, they are just a plastic table waiting to get body slammed every single game. (laughs) Sorry, Bills Mafia, I had to. And um, so we see the start of the third quarter. Eagles come out with a touchdown. Bills come back with a touchdown. It's 24-14, still a 10-point game going into the fourth quarter, but the Eagles are driving, and the Eagles score a touchdown. Now, this is where it gets interesting. It's 24-21, to and what happens to the uh, what happens to the Bills? They get the ball back after the touchdown. It's, it's 24-21, and they throw an interception. Like... Mm-hmm. This is what has been biting you in the butt the past few weeks, Josh Allen. Like, you know better than this. Like, you know better than what you're about to do. I mean, they run the ball for two yards, and then they come out, and he throws the ball to Stefan Diggs, and it just gets picked. And it's like, dude, this is how you let teams back into the games when you have a two-score lead. Like, pound the football. Run some screens. Run some really hot, like, low-risk plays that'll keep the clock moving. And Josh Allen just said, no, like, look, Stefan Diggs. And there's an interception, and it lets it lets Philadelphia get their foot right back in the door. And that's where this game flipped, you know. And Buffalo, to their credit, they didn't just fall apart. They came back, and uh, after Philly scored a touchdown to go up 28-24, Buffy got the ball back. They punted after four plays, and then Philadelphia punted. And Buffalo comes back with a touchdown and they're up 31 to 28 with, I wanted to say that there's like a minute 50 left to go, but that's way too much time to give the Seagulls team. And then they play great defense around midfield and shout out to Sanders. Cause this was, I think the kick of the year, probably one of the most clutch big balls kicks I've ever seen oh. in my life. You know, 59 yards in the freezing cold, in the pouring rain, comes out and just (laughs) cold-blooded. Puts it on the line drive right through the uprights. And you laugh, but, like, was that not one of the sickest field goals you've ever seen? That was, like, line drive. Like, that didn't even have any air on it. It was just, like, straight through the field. And as you're watching it, it looks like it's about to hook right and miss, and it's game over. And it just never... It just never fades, and it just goes straight through. And I was kind of speechless. I was like, "Wow, this is a heck of a game!" And uh, and then Josh Allen in overtime. Can you think of a worse duo? I mean, oh, it's just brutal to watch. Like him in overtime games, 
not fun. But Josh Allen didn't even do anything wrong. No. Like, yeah. They went right down the field. Went down the field. They were still able to get a field goal. Now it's up to your defense. You got to get a stop, which they just wanted well, Jalen Hurts run up the middle the entire over. And then before the before the field goal that tied it up, right? Josh Allen misses a wide open throw to Gabe Davis. Yeah. It looked like Gabe Davis turned the wrong way or Josh Allen threw the ball on the wrong side. And that's a wide open touchdown. That's game over right there. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I was just like that one play. <laughs> so I mean between the two plays, um, Josh Allen throwing the interception when he was targeting Stefan Diggs in the early fourth quarter to when um he missed that that pass in the end zone. Those are the two moments that make or break this Bills season. This team's not making the playoffs. No. Yeah. No. I mean, if this team finds a way to sneak into the playoffs, they can beat any team in the playoffs. They're good enough to beat any team in the playoffs. But at this point in the season, I feel like they fumbled way too many opportunities that I don't even think that they're going to get the opportunity to go in and beat some of these good teams. And if they do, they're going to have to go on the road all three of their playoff games. So, Man, heck of a game. Jalen Hurts in this offense. Nothing flashy, but just getting the job done. You know? Um, yep. Like, uh, I think they were saying during that game, I mean, Sirianni was talking about his guys just, like, handling pressure. And you just saying, like, these, this is just a group of guys that know how to win. Like, they, they understand the game. They understand there's going to be points when they're they're down and they're down by points, and they've just got to go out and do what they need to do to get back in the game. So, yeah, this Phillies team is really fun to watch. I mean, it's just a bunch of fundamentally sound guys. They understand their roles. They understand what they got to do. And they, there's no really, like, competition for the flashiness of, like, who's getting touchdowns, who's getting recognition. Like, this is a really good, well-rounded team that's working together. So, Philly, I took Philly as well, two and a half. So, don't know if I read that right either, but um, glad to see it hit. Yeah, this is definitely a fun game, though. Sometimes you win the bet and you have the wrong side to begin with. So exactly, I I have lost more than a few bets on teams that I had the right side and still lost. So I will take mm-hmm. this one, and I won't I won't pound it too much. So <laughs> that kind of finishes all the games this week. Like I said, a lot there's a lot to watch and. Um, some really good games down the stretch that are going to really make or break playoff positioning going forward. So uh, what do you say, Grant? Should we really quickly talk about the playoff picture and what our, what our playoff predictions look like going down the stretch? Yeah, absolutely. All righty. Let's talk playoffs. All righty. So in the AFC, you want to start AFC or NFC? We can start with AFC. All right, AFC. Start off with the number one seed, um, Baltimore Ravens. They haven't taken their bye week yet, so they are actually one win ahead of all of the three lost teams. The Ravens at 9-3 and three at, in the first seed right now have mm-hmm. the bye week, and then they're followed by the Chiefs at number two, Jaguars at number three, and Dolphins at number four in the seeding. And all those teams are 8-3. and three. So, I don't think this is what it's going to look like at the end of the season. No, like depending on 
depending on how the two teams play, I think Kansas City and Jacksonville are going to be the number one and two seeds. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it's going to be rounded out by Baltimore and the Dolphins. And um, like I said, the Steelers could actually catch up to that Ravens team if they continue their winning ways and moving the ball without Matt Canada. Yeah. Sorry, I was looking at uh, some of the, the games and schedules left that we've got for some of these teams. I was just pulling it up. So, yeah, I mean, the one yeah, that totally. I was looking at right away was was the Chiefs and their remaining schedule. Um, they play Green Bay. Then they play this Buffalo team. See how that goes. And we get a rematch of that. We play New England, Vegas. They'll handle them again. Cincinnati and the Chargers at the end. So, Chiefs should be up there in that one or two spot easily. Um, Buffalo is really their only game that I think they got to like really worry about. They'll run over the rest of these teams though. Yeah. I think they destroy all these teams except for, uh, like you said, the bills. So that'll be a interesting game to watch in two weeks. Yeah. And then looking at Jacksonville right under them. So yeah, I'm just looking at these eight and three teams right now. You got Jacksonville. They've got Cincinnati. Cleveland, Baltimore, Tampa Bay, Carolina, Tennessee. So Jacksonville can definitely be up there in those um, top playoff seeding spots, but they got a tough schedule in front of them. We got Cleveland with a great defense, Baltimore with a great defense. Um, as much as Carolina like struggles offensively, their defense is actually pretty good. They just can't get their offense firing. Again, another lopsided team. And Tennessee's defense is very mid, so – Jacksonville send at that eight and three spot too. They've got to pull it together with some of these big games coming up. Yeah. And Jacksonville, if they hit on all cylinders, they can go five and one these last six weeks, you know? Yeah. But um, the big thing is going to be, what are they going to do against the Ravens? And that Ravens game is going to be huge down the stretch in playoff seating. I mean, when we look at the Ravens schedule, we talked about the Ravens kind of have the hardest schedule out of all these teams. They play the Jaguars on the road, the 49ers on the road, and then the Steelers at home um, the last week of the season. Yeah. And um, I think that the Jaguars-Ravens game will probably either be for the two or the one seed, depending on what the Kansas City Chiefs do. Yep. So... Yeah, and then the the Dolphins, a team that has beat up on bad teams and struggled against good teams down the stretch, they've got two games against teams the next two weeks that I think that they're going to put absolute points on and just destroy yeah. against the Commanders and the Titans. And then the Jets are a pretty good defense. They're inside the division. You never know what happens in those divisional games. So yep. that could go either way. But then their last three games, they play really good teams. Yeah, really good. They're going to play a hungry. They're going to be playing a hungry Cowboys team that is going to want to keep positive momentum and keep playing their bully ball football yep. that they've been playing. They play at the Ravens and they play at the Bill or the, against the Bills. And those three teams to end the year, I think that they could go 0-3 in those and yeah. really hurt themselves in playoff positioning. So um, give me this Dolphins team as the four seed in the AFC, mm-hmm. just because I think that they have the strongest strength of schedule going forward. But I think 1, 2, and 3 are going to be disposable between those 
three teams at the top, and even potentially the Steelers. I think the Steelers can be in that mix if they win, win out down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, now, Steelers, Steelers heading to them. They've got Arizona, New England, Indianapolis, Cincinnati, Seattle, and then their last game is at Baltimore. So, yeah, they could win all of their games. Say again. They could win all of their games. Like, yeah, Pittsburgh could easily win all of these remaining games that they have left. I mean, New England's defense is good, but New England's offense is terrible. So Pittsburgh just has to go in and score at least 15, 16 points like they did to Cincinnati and then just hold New England to where they're at. Like, New England's not looking to win football games. They're not a team this year that's like, let's go ruin some people's seasons. They're like, no, let's completely tank so we can get Caleb Williams. So Pittsburgh could easily go. I mean, easily that last game's their hardest with Baltimore, but they could easily win the next five games. Right. So let's say that they get the top seed in the AFC at 11 and four. They went out, beat the Ravens at home last week of the year. Is there any team, let's say, and hypothetical, like this isn't going to happen. Like, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. But the Pittsburgh Steelers, they get the number one seed in the AFC. They have a week off. They get to play at home. Is there any team in the AFC that they could play that they would be a favorite against? In the playoffs? Like, they could be the only number one seed all time in the playoffs. And not in favor. That wouldn't be a favorite against any of the teams that they played. Yeah. I mean, you're only. They could be the number. I think it would be the Browns for some reason if the Browns pull it together and get into that spot, but I don't think they will. But. Yeah, you're not going to be a favorite against Baltimore, Kansas City, Jacksonville, Miami. Like, no, they'll be the first one seed ever to be not favored. (laughs) And then wrapping up the wild card for the AFC. So the Steelers, Browns are um, five and six right now, both at seven and four. Colts are the seven seed at six and five. And then there's two teams at six and five, Houston and Denver. And then. The Bills is six and six, That's right it. behind them. Unfortunately, everyone behind the Bills, the Bengals, Raiders, Chargers, Titans, Jets. I'm going to put the tombstone on the coffin and just call it a day. I think that those seasons are done, and um, yeah, and the Patriots. I didn't even think that they needed to be said, but no, nah, we we don't need to speak about that anymore. <laughs> but. Tell me, tell me what you think the three AFC wildcard teams look like, and then I'll kind of give my input. Yeah. Man, I mean, like, first reaction, obviously, as a Broncos fan, I would love to see the Broncos get in. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're literally going to be just right on the edge. Um, I mean, we've got Houston this next week. Houston at home is really good. CJ's on fire. That stadium is rocking. Um, they've got three road games in a row. The Broncos do. They got Houston, Chargers, and Detroit. So Detroit's a great offense. Chargers are going to do Charger things. So we could easily win that game. Um, in these next three games, Broncos could go one and two, two and one. I don't think they're going to win all three. I don't think they're going to lose all three. Um, just because they've been pulling it together. So I think Broncos are probably going to stay kind of right where they're at. But that nine, maybe eight, like they're not going to make it in. Um, they're just going to be right on the edge. This Houston team I am curious about because it would be super fun to see a rookie quarterback 
first year getting to the playoffs. It's always fun to root for those rookies getting in. And um, schedule-wise, they've obviously played the Broncos um, this next week at home. Then they play... I think they easiest schedule going forward out of any they, of these teams. They do, because then they play the Jets. And again, when you play in teams that are lopsided and they have a good defense, but their offense sucks, you really just need to focus. They obviously need your defense to play well. Like, don't let them do some crazy stuff and get points on the board. So when they play the Jets, it's like, handle their offense, make sure they're just getting three and outs, make sure they make it to the 50 and not, not further. We're limiting them to field goals. They're not getting crazy touchdowns. And we just have to make sure we put up 16 to 21 points somewhere in that range because this team's not going to get to that point. So, yeah, they've got Denver, New York Jets, Tennessee, Cleveland, then they got Tennessee again, and then out of Indianapolis. So, yeah, Houston is in that same boat. I think they could easily go um, two and one, one and two in these next three games, just depending on how this Denver game goes. If they beat Denver, I can see them going, winning all three of these next games, and that kind of puts them in a better spot, better position. But Houston's a fun team to root for. When you got a rookie QB, you got some rookie wide receivers running with that group too. It's they're just a fun team to watch. I would much rather see Tex Texans than the Colts. Like I know the Colts have been playing kind of mid. They've got Jonathan Taylor. Minshew's been doing his stuff, but I would love to see the Texans get in over the Colts. I think that would be pretty fun to watch. At least CJ. Let's be honest. The best thing for football would be if the three wildcard teams would be the Texans, the Broncos, and the Bills. Oh, yeah. And those are the three teams that are on the bubble right now. Um, the Steelers, Browns, and Colts, they obviously like deserve to be in the playoffs right now because of their records. Yeah. But these are probably three teams that don't have the talent um, or the watchability that yeah. the other three teams do. And the other three teams, like if we had the Texans, Broncos, and Bills in the playoffs, I think that the AFC would be up for grabs between anyone. Yeah, I, Obviously, I don't think that the Texans or Broncos could win it, but I think that anyone else could win it in the AFC um, with that. Unfortunately, I don't think that the Steelers are going anywhere, so I think that the Steelers are going to be the five, and then the six, seven is going to come down to the Broncos, the Texans, and the Colts. Yep. And hopefully, hopefully, and I'm just saying this because I'm a Bronco fan. Hopefully, it's Steelers, Texans, Broncos mm -hmm. in that mix, or Steelers, Broncos, Bills. But yeah. I don't really want to see the Colts in the playoffs. I don't want no. to see Jonathan Taylor and that organization in that in the franchise. Um, one, because they always choke, and two, because they've been um, kind of a problem child all year with this Jim Mersey, Jonathan Taylor stuff all year, and I'm just not a huge fan. And then the Browns, I don't think anyone really wants to see Dorian Thompson-Robinson in the playoffs as much as I would like to see Miles Garrett in the playoffs. I don't think that this Browns offense is ready to take on the AFC. So no. get healthy, come back next year with Deshaun Watson or – whoever else you want to bring in a QB and yep. make next year your year. But for the wild card, my thought is Steelers, Broncos, Texans. And Broncos, Texans will be the seating will be based on whoever wins this next week. Yep. I'm going to make the bills kind of go through it. The bills are in a gauntlet the next few weeks. I mean, they got the Eagles last week. They got the Chiefs this week, and then they've got the Cowboys next week. 
So I think it's going to be really hard for the Bills. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I, I'm writing down our kind of predictions right now. Let's see how we do with the rest of the season. But, um, yeah, the Bills schedule, I was just looking at it. I mean, they play – they got their bye week this next week. Then they play Kansas City and Dallas. So you got two really good teams coming up right off the bat. Um, then they play – where'd it go? It's right here. They play Chargers. They can handle them pretty easily. New New England. And then Miami. Miami, obviously, just explosive offense. Um, divisional matchup to end their season. So my hot take is Bills do not make it into these playoffs. I think they're going to run into some trouble with Kansas City and with Dallas. I do not see Buffalo making it. No, the best thing that could happen, though, is if Buffalo beat Kansas City and the Broncos won out and um, Kansas City somehow lost to Green Bay or to the Chargers in yep. one of their two road games coming up. And uh, the Broncos snuck in as the AFC West division winner. But Heck that's yeah. not going to happen. No, nah, so, that's not gonna happen, but that would be pretty fun to watch. So, um, what was your wild card predictions again? I'm just writing these down. I'm sorry. So one one through seven, I'll just kind of give you my picks. I think that Kansas City will be number one. Yeah. Jacksonville number two. And then I actually have the um Dolphins, number three. Yeah. The Steelers, number four, winning that division. Okay. Steelers over the Ravens in that division comes down to the last week of the year. Love it. And the Steelers pull it out. TJ Watt just goes nuts. And then the Baltimore Ravens are the five seed. They have to go back into Pittsburgh the next week for the wild card round. And then... Um, Texans Broncos are my six and seven. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the Texans win this week, and the Texans are the six, and the Broncos sneak in as the seven. I like it. I like it. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Kansas City too. Is that one seed? They're gonna sneak up there. Um, I'm gonna put Baltimore at this two, and then I'll put Jacksonville right under them at three. I like Pitt at four because of their schedule. I'll put Miami at that five. And then, yeah, I agree with you. I think Texas. I'm sorry. Who did you who'd you put at number two? Baltimore. So you can't have Baltimore two and Pittsburgh four. Oh, really? Because they're in the same division. Oh, that's right. That's right. So it has to be the four divisional winners, one, two, three, four. Yep. And then... Then, yeah, let's put uh, Miami and then Pittsburgh. So, KC, Baltimore, Jacksonville, Miami, Pittsburgh, Texans, Denver. That's who I got AFC. I like it. I like it. Oh, this is going to be a fun playoffs. And then the NFC. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I actually don't see a lot of movement happening in the NFC yeah. among the standings. Right now, the Eagles are the number one seed at 10 and 1, 
49ers are eight and three mm-hmm. as the number two seed. The Lions are eight and three as the number three seed. And then we've got the Falcons as the NFC South division leaders as the four seed. They're at five and six, not even a winning record, which is terrible. Yeah. Which remind me to bring this up. I think that they should make a rule change. Cowboys leading the wild card at eight and three. They are in contention with the Eagles for the division, but I think that that ends this next week. And then the Seahawks are six and five, and the Minnesota Vikings are barely holding on with the Pastronaut at six and six. And then right outside of that bubble is the Packers and the Rams uh-huh. for the wild card. Ooh. And the Saints all at five and six. And then Buccaneers, Giants, Bears, Commanders, Cardinals, Panthers. Um, I'm going to leave them to die. Yep. I don't think that these teams have any chance to make the playoffs. Um, the Buccaneers would have to win out, and it would only be if they could win their division. So that would be the only way that I give Tampa Bay a chance to make it to the playoffs. But then again, they're only two games out of the wild card. Yep. I don't see a lot shaking up in this division. The Eagles and the 49ers play this next week, which is going to be another version of the game of the year. Um, hopefully everyone's healthy for this game and we actually get a really good game. This is going to be at the 49ers, so it's the NFC Championship, but at the other stadium and with a healthy Brock Purdy. So I think the 49ers actually come out on top on this one and the Eagles move to 10-2, and two, but they're still a full game ahead of the Eagles. Yeah. And then the Eagles play the Cowboys on the road and then they finish the year with the Seahawks, Giants, Cardinals, Giants. And so... The Eagles have a four-game um, streak at the end of the year where I think that they go 4-0. and And as long as they beat the Cowboys, I think the Eagles stay atop the NFC at 16-2 um, and is what I – or 15-2 and to finish the year yeah. and uh, first seed in the NFC. So yep. I think that t- they'll take one loss to the San Francisco 49ers this week, but that's it. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Um, so give me the Eagles at the one seed and then the Niners at the two seed. The Niners are going to finish the year at, um, one game behind the Eagles, 14 and three. Yeah. Do you know what's really crazy? On Christmas, we get to watch the 49ers Ravens, which is what everyone's clamoring for the Super Bowl to be. Mm-hmm. 8-15 on Christmas. That's going to be a heck of a game to watch, man. Oh, that's so fun. Ravens, Niners. But I have the Niners coming out on top in that one. And so Eagles, 49ers, and then the Lions, and then the Falcons. I don't see much movement happening with the division winners. Yeah. And then same thing with the wild card. Cowboys are going to stay atop the wild card. And then give me the Packers. Packers playing hot football. Jordan Love heating up. I think they're going to be the sixth seed. They're going to sneak in, be the sixth seed at either 11 and six or 10 and seven. Yep. And then, um, the hard thing is, is I look at these next four teams, the Seahawks, Vikings, Rams, and saints. None of these teams are playing really good football right now. The Vikings 
the Vikings have given up one touchdown in the past two weeks and are 0-2. That's how bad their offense is. They've given up one touchdown. Let that sink in. In the past two weeks. Oh. And they've lost both games. That's- they've lost both games. So um, I know everyone's a big fan of Josh Dobbs, and it's fun to watch him play football. But I don't think he's getting the job done. No, I think the for the Vikings, yeah, it's wearing off a little bit of the excitement of having him come in and do great, and then now it's like, yeah, it's kind of wore off. So, I mean, Minnesota's got they got their bye this week coming up, and then they got Vegas, Cincinnati. They're both at Vegas and at Cincinnati. Then they play Detroit at home. Then they play Green Bay, and then they play at Detroit to finish out their season. So their last two or three games are Detroit. That could be a tough matchup for Minnesota. I mean, Detroit's offense is really good. Be able to. But week sixteen, week sixteen, the Packers and the and the Vikings play in an NFC North like legend of legends (laughs) football matchup, and um, this could be. One team sending the other team home in week 17. Week 16. Week 17, yep. yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, week 17. But second to last week of the year, one of these teams is probably going to be sending the other one home mm-hmm. or putting them right outside the playoffs. So, I mean, what a brutal way to finish the year. Lions, Packers, Lions for the Vikings. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> That's unfortunate. That's unfortunately why I don't think that the Vikings make the playoffs. Nope. Um, and I think that it'll come down to the Saints have the easiest strength of schedule going forward. I think the Saints could honestly sneak in as the last wildcard team. Seriously. That would be pretty bad. What was your four seed again? So I have it just the way that it is right now. So yeah. Eagles, Niners, Lions, and then... Falcons at number four. And then I've got Cowboys, Packers, Saints, and then the Saints. I'm just looking at schedules right now. Dude, uh, Seattle is not winning the next three games. That's... Bro, Seattle's going through the gauntlet as well. They got Dallas, then San Francisco. Those are both away games. Then they play Philly at home. Holy cow. Yeah, uh, Seahawks are going through. Yeah, I don't know what Pete Carroll did to the NFL schedule makers, but he did not make them happy. No, like, man, whoever put their schedule together was just like, yep, run them through it. Just all the top teams are going to play them back-to-back. I mean, Seahawks just played San Francisco for Thanksgiving. Now you got to go play Dallas. Then you got to play San Francisco again in San Francisco. And then you're playing Philadelphia. It's just like, man, we can't win. Like might as well. It's kind of funny. What New England's doing. Just be like, all right, let's just tank. Let's, let's go downhill. It's kind of funny. Cause I think the NFL did a lot where they did like you play one team and then you go play a different yeah. team. And then you play that team again. Cause like you saw the Broncos played the chiefs yeah. and then someone else and, and then the chiefs again. again. Yeah. Right after the bye week. And I feel like that happens on like almost every team's schedule. Like the Lions and the um, Vikings playing. Yeah. Back to like 15, uh, 16 and 18. Yeah. Like that's that's hard to play two divisional games 
back to back, especially the end um, years twice in three weeks. Oh yeah, yeah. So hard. the season, that's just brutal. Yeah, Seattle is not getting in there, bro. They're gonna they're gonna lose these next three. They're gonna be six and eight. That is crazy to say right now, but they are not winning these next three. Minnesota is out of there. Yeah, this man, this NFC South between Falcons, Saints, Buccaneers. I'm just looking at schedules right now real fast. I mean, Saints have Detroit, Carolina, New York Giants. Then they're at the Rams, at Tampa Bay, and then they finish with Atlanta as their last game to finish out the season. Um, Tampa Bay's got Carolina. Then they play Atlanta, Green Bay, Jacksonville, New Orleans, Carolina again. Where are our Falcons at? Don't say our Falcons. I want nothing to do no, with Arthur Smith and that, that trash show. Yeah, Falcons play Jets, Tampa Bay, Carolina, Colts, Chicago, New Orleans. So, I mean, those three teams have similar games ending this season. I mean, Atlanta plays Carolina once. Tampa Bay plays them twice. Um, it seems like they all play each other at least once in these last few weeks, um, these last six weeks. So, that's a tough call right there. But I do like Saints kind of sneaking in there. I think the Saints have the easiest schedule out of those three. They, well, that's why I picked yeah, that. They got yeah, Detroit. Then they play Carolina. Play Giants again. Lopsided team. Just make sure you score points. At the Rams, at Tampa Bay. And then finishing out with Atlanta. So the only, the only caveat that I have to that is if the Rams somehow win one of their tough games against – Baltimore or San Francisco mm-hmm. the last week of the year. Yep. I think I think that the Rams sneak in as the last wildcard team. Unfortunately, I don't think that they can. But if they lean on Kyron Williams, this team was kind of scary good with Kyron Williams early in the year. So, I mean, I could see a I could see a way that the Rams actually sneak into the playoffs and then win a game. Um, in the playoffs, yeah. so what the best scenario would be um, is Dallas going into Atlanta and Arthur Smith beating them by like one point, and everyone can make fun of Arthur Smith for how stupid of a coach he is, but he just keeps winning, and everyone can make fun of Dallas for choking. Yeah. Um. But I think it's kind of BS that. Dallas is going to finish with a record like twelve and five, or is this your rule change? Thirteen and four. Bring up. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that you should have home field just for winning the division. Yeah. Um. If you if you don't win the division and if you win the division and you don't have a winning record, you shouldn't be able to host a playoff yeah, game. Yeah. Go go play there. Yeah. So um, I know that this would only benefit Dallas this year, but I think. In future games, if there's a division like this that's just absolutely trash, because there is one every year. Oh yeah. Um, and a team sneaks in with an eight and nine record. First of all, you don't belong in the playoffs with an eight and nine record, let alone to be hosting a playoff game. There's no reason that an eight and nine NFC South division winner should be hosting a playoff game. Yeah. That's just my two cents. The football that the Atlanta Falcons have played this year does not deserve to host a home football game nope they do not 
All right, to wrap it up, who's your Super Bowl matchup? Who's your Super Bowl pick? Yeah, I'm finishing up my NFC. Trying to – so, yeah, Philly, San Francisco, Detroit are all – that's one, two, and three right there. Um, Man, I think the Saints sneak in at this four. I think they went out and they win that last game in Atlanta. But what's the tiebreaker then for Atlanta and New Orleans? That's what I don't know yet, so that's what I'm curious about. Because they, they just lost this last game, so I would assume it goes to divisional rankings, right? Yeah, it would be a divisional record. So who has the best divisional record? Ooh. Yeah. So in the division, the Saints, Saints are, are 1-2, and, and the Falcons are 3-0, and so the Falcons would have. So, yeah. The... Yeah, it's going to be Atlanta at that four seed. And I agree with you, too. It's like if you have a losing record, you're not having home field advantage. That just sucks for the other team. So Now, my caveat is if you have a winning record, if you're 9-8, and eight, fine, host a playoff game. But you should at least have to have a winning record. That's, that's my one thing. Yeah. But I do think that the Falcons could finish with a winning record because I think that they could – I think they could actually win out. Mm-hmm. But – I know that that'll be tough for them. Yep. But they play the Jets, the Buccaneers, Panthers, Colts, Bears, Saints. None of those teams are like really scary in terms of, oh, this is going to be a game that's really hard to win, you know? Yeah. So I'm same with you on NFC. Philly, San Francisco, Detroit, Atlanta, Dallas, Green Bay, and then New Orleans at that seven seed. So I just think that that makes the most sense going forward. Yeah. So. Yeah, all right. Super Bowl? Yeah. Mm. Man. Let's start in the AFC. Yep. I think that there's three or four teams that can come out of the AFC. I think in all reality, the teams that we're looking at coming out of the AFC are the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Baltimore Ravens. Yep. Yep. Right? I don't think that Miami has the defense to get to the Super Bowl. I don't think that they can really pull out three straight playoff wins against really good teams. No. I think that the Jaguars and Doug Peterson can prove that anything's possible. And I think that the Chiefs and... Um, the Ravens are both susceptible in their own ways. You know, I think that both teams are. They find one team that can blitz the quarterback and put pressure on the right guys. And yep. you can figure out a way to beat those teams. So out of the AFC, I think it's going to be one of those three teams. Um, I'm hoping that it's Jacksonville. Yep. And so I'm going to pick Jacksonville. I just think that the Chiefs have showed too many holes in their team this year, and I think that Jacksonville has the most well-rounded offense out of these three teams, and is going to be able to play the most consistent offense in the playoffs. And then their defense isn't too shabby, and Josh Allen coming off of the um, end is scary for quarterbacks. And I think that Josh Allen will take it to the next level in the playoffs, kind of like we saw Von Miller do um, for the Broncos. So. I think that the AFC Championship will be Jaguars against the um, against the Ravens. Mm-hmm. 
or Jaguars Chiefs, then I think that the Jaguars win the AFC, which bit of a hot take, but yep. I really like the Jacksonville Jaguars this year to win the AFC and then NFC, I think that I think with the pieces that they've added on their defense, I think that San Francisco is too damn good, dude. So, yeah, I think it's going to be Jacksonville, San Francisco, and I think the Jacksonville or uh, San Francisco comes out with the Super Bowl win this year. The who comes out with it? San Francisco. Oh, okay, let's say Jacksonville. <laughs> I was like, ah, yeah, I'm, I'd I'm love taking it. San Francisco. <laughs> I'd love to see Jacksonville come out with the win. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, San Francisco's defense with Chase Young and Joey Bosa, oh, like, have just been uh, way too good. Way too Not Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, but their defensive ends are just way too good. And then it was really sad to see Hufunga go down, but. Traverius Ward has got that secondary play in like incredibly well. And this team just has so many weapons on offense too. Their offensive line is elite. Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the NFL. He's two players in one. He's a running back and a wide receiver. And then you've got Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel and Debo Samuel can play running back or wide receiver too, you know, and then George Kittle, like this is the most well-rounded and complete team. So as long as they stay healthy, and don't have to go to Sam Darnold. Like, I think that the San Francisco 49ers, this is their Super Bowl to lose. Man. I'm just looking at at least what we predicted for AFC. Our, we're going to get a first-round matchup again at Jacksonville and Texans if it plans out how we want it to play, which would be super fun. But I think Jacksonville wins that again. Especially because flying across the country, Denver never plays well in Florida. I I don't think that I've seen the Broncos play well in Jacksonville or Miami in my entire life. No, absolutely not. No. Well, Denver, at least the way that we have it set up, did you have Texans as a seven or Denver as a six? I had Denver as the seven. So I had had the Texans, or I had um, Jacksonville as my two. two. Yeah. I have the Broncos as the seven, which would make a two-seven matchup with the Broncos. Yeah, even still, I mean, my way of Baltimore at the two, Denver would have to go to Baltimore and play. I mean, that's East Coast still, colder weather. We're used to that, but you're still going to the East Coast, so you know, freaking butts kicked. Um, yeah, man. But, but playoff Lamar Jackson. Never met him. Nope. Where is he? Still haven't met him. So if he decides to show up this year, then so be it. Yep. But if the Broncos go into Baltimore, give me Broncos in that game. Mm-hmm. Give me upset. I'm, I would at least give me the upset. spread on whatever game that is. Like whatever spread there is, no. I would say Broncos. Everyone loves Harbaugh. <laughs> Miss me with that. Yep. Miss me with that. Everybody's going to so. like people that don't watch football. All of our Swifty fans now are going to be so mad at the uh, Harbaugh with Baltimore because they think it's Harbaugh with Michigan. They're like, why the heck is he coaching two teams? I thought he was caught cheating. No, no, no. They're twins. They're twins. What? All right. I got to take my grandparents to the airport. So you got to give me your cell phone. Okay. 
man, give me, I'm going to take as much as I hate him, KC. I'm going to take KC in San Francisco. Hate Kansas City, but. That'd be a, that'd be a heck of a Super Bowl, no, that man. Would be nuts to see. That'd be, that would be like one hour I'm like, whatever the over is, put it on there and we're just rooting for offense, baby. <laughs> like, show me the offense. Which is funny. Which is funny because I think it would be a defensive matchup. Oh, like, I think that complete defensive matchup. But I'm like, these are- I think that that game would be like 24 to 20, <laughs> and the San Francisco 49ers would pull it out. Yep. No, I would want I would want a Los Angeles. Well, what was it? Los Angeles Rams and uh, I forget who else. That like 50 to the Bengals. Yeah, that 50 to like 54 game. That's what I want to see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, it was the. Rams and the Chiefs yeah, it was on Monday night. That's what you were talking about. I thought you were talking about the Super Bowl. No, it was you Rams and the Monday night. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he Jared Goff's the lead, man, other than all of his turnovers. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that, that wraps up our Wednesday episode. Um, we have – who do we got playing tomorrow night? Uh, Thursday night. Seattle and Dallas. Ooh. Whoop up on them, Dallas. Keep beating these teams. <laughs> All right, you heard it here first. We're gonna see the the Dallas Bullies tomorrow uh-huh. facing off against a team that has completely lost their way uh-huh. and has shown a lot of frustration down the stretch. And uh, man, you know what? Over under camera angles of Pete Carroll looking absolutely confused uh-huh. on the sideline tomorrow night. Three and a half? Over. Let's make it three and a half. I'm going to make that over. I'll take over all day. Yeah, I'll take the over. You know what? Let's make it so let's make it five and a half. Five. Are you taking the over on five and a half? Yeah, I'll still take the over. Ooh, okay. I'll take the under. So I only think that they show them confused five times, but <laughs> we'll have to take pictures. We'll make this a real bet. We'll put ten dollars on it. Yep. You know what? In fact, you can I'm I'm flying out to Denver in a few weeks. You can buy me a cheeseburger. Oh, absolutely. If uh or vice versa. All right, keep track of it. So, <laughs> five and a half. You heard it here first, friends. That's the line we're setting. Um, yeah. So that's our prediction for tomorrow. Expect Dallas to come out and just dominate this team. Um, hopefully, Tony Pollard will put up some points for my fantasy team. Um, playoffs are coming quickly. So uh, look forward to We are going to try to release an episode Friday breaking down in the games for Sunday. We will um, have some fantasy advice for you. We'll be talking through some of the point spreads, some of the over-unders, what we like in these games, and how we see these shaking out. So please join us for a Friday episode. And uh, exciting week. Let's go get win some bets. Um I had an exciting week last week. I don't. I don't think you did. Not, not so much. I'm rooting for. Hey, that's okay. That's what sports betting is all about: is week to week, just resetting and trying to come out profitable this week. Yep. So, um, Friday episode, we're going to talk about a few things. We're going to talk about Jordan Love and the things that he's doing. Um, can he keep that going? Frank Reich was just fired, and. Uh, they're going to be ushering in a new coaching staff in Carolina, but not sure that he was the entire problem. And then we'll talk about the new nickname that the Denver Broncos have received, Dirty Denver, um, and how 
Denver should embrace this identity going forward down the stretch. If they're going to make them the villain, should they should they just latch onto it and become the villain? Um, so looking forward to a few of those storylines coming up in our Friday episode. Um, just remember, folks, Josh Allen sucks in overtime, and uh, we're excited for another great week of football. So follow us on social media. Follow us on Instagram, Talking Sports RG. Follow us on TikTok and um, anywhere that you consume your podcast. You can check us out, Talking Sports RG. So till next time, I'm Roger. I'm Grant. And uh, we appreciate you guys talking sports. Cowboys suck. All right. See you later. See you, man.